Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. Coyotes lose 6-3 to Edmonton. Now the losing streak has reached 10 games. Even worse, the Yotes were up 3-2 at the second intermission, and it all fell apart giving up four third-period goals. Head coach, Andre Turini. And we break down for five minutes, and we, we could not stop the bleeding. They have three scoring chances, three goals right there. Uh, I think it's not on our goalie. I think they, uh, they put traffic in the net. They, they're a tough team to play against. They, they have... Yeah, they're a tough team. Andre Turney, another loss, and yet trying to tell us the other guys are good, and we've got a bunch of excuses. Okay, whatever. They host Toronto and Scottsdale legend Austin Matthews coming up Wednesday night. Lots of positive news for U of A. Number one, Tommy Lloyd, new five-year contract extension. He signed through 2029. He'll start the extension of $5.25 million. It'll be worth $6 million at the end. They've also got a new athletic director. Despite being five weeks behind ASU in their search, they pull off Desiree Reed francois Why should U of A be happy? Because she went to U of A law school and they pillaged her out of the SEC. She leaves Mizzou and signs a five-year contract. She also worked at Santa Clara, UC, Vatek, Tennessee, and before she went to Mizzou, she was at UNLV. Day two, a full squad training camp. Spring training games actually start on Friday. They're four days away. The big news was Ken Kendrick saying and sounding the alarm for the end of Chase Field if there's no renovation. Public-private partnership is is coming together to take the fan experience, take the stadiums to, to state-of-the-art levels. And we're frankly disappointed we haven't been able to do it. Now, the stadium is owned by the county, so this isn't a state issue or a city of Phoenix issue. We'll see where this goes. That could be that they simply leave Maricopa County or they leave the state altogether. Pac-12 News. They promoted Teresa Gold from the deputy commissioner position up to the becoming the new first woman to ever hold the position at a Power 5 conference. Now, here's where this gets a little weird. Yes, she's the first woman ever to hold the position of conference commissioner of a Power 5 conference. Yet you might not realize the Pac-12 is only weeks away from no longer being a Power 5 conference. You see Oregon State and Washington State sued in Washington court to block all the other schools of the Pac-12 from having any decision-making power. So truthfully, since they won that case, Washington State and Oregon State have promoted somebody from the conference office to take over as commissioner of them that's all she's in charge of the pack two go beefs go kooks and finally meet anna hariki anna hariki is an 18 year old girl working at an indiana car wash by the way izzy the high today is 81 how's indiana right now (laughs) 
that's where uh, that's where Izzy's from. Well, here's what she's doing. She's spraying off the white sedan at an Indiana car wash when she gets hit by a lemonade bomb. The woman rolls down her window and hits her with lemonade. So what does Anna do? She sprays right into the car with the, with the high-pressured hose. And then hilariously doesn't miss a beat and goes right back to washing the car. She said the woman paid her fee. She punched in the numbers to give her the full car wash. She wasn't going to stop washing the car. She just quickly retaliated with the hose. Even better, because she got hit with the lemonade bomb, her bosses fully backed her. They have banned the woman and the woman's boyfriend from ever coming back to the car wash, and 18-year-old Anna still has her job. They just asked her not to spray customers anymore. (laughs) Unplugged Army, attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260, but thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030, so I'd love for you to stop by Civilic represent or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over i'd love to see you friday february 23rd at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass feel the wind i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Okay, I I fully admit it's our job to get four minute offense, right? Right? I mean, it's just our job. Do your job. Yet, it's a really hard, beautiful part of the podcast to pull off. And when we crush it like we just did, it totally jacks me up for the rest of the day. Now, if I can just get rid of the shoes I'm wearing. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Barely got it through. My pacing was a little slower, but the energy is there. Just totally jacked up. I This is not pat on the back stuff, okay? You're going to think it is, but it's not. The four-minute offense is very difficult to do live. Incredibly difficult. 
And I don't like, especially when I have like five pieces of sound, five actualities to play right in the middle of it. It is not easy. And I just get jacked up when, uh, when we nail it. Plus, with the change that we made in which Izzy is now the producer of Doug Franz Unplugged, and then, we're, I mean, Izzy's hours are insane. Now, on the one hand, hey, I did it too when I was Izzy's age. On the other hand, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, like I've always told you, I work about 14, 15 hours a day, but about seven of those, I'm sitting on a couch with a beer watching games. Okay, so how hard am I really working, right? It's, it's a fair trade-off. But I say that because Izzy and I just crushed the four-minute offense. Man, that does. That does jack me up. Well done, Izzy. Are, are you just so glad when that's over, or does it jack you up? I won't lie to you. As soon as that commercial hits, it's like a, like a stress reliever. <laughs> like, it feels a whole lot better. <laughs> oh, now that's good. Hopefully it's not because you, you look at me as some hard-driving talk show host that's in your face about anything. Oh, no. Okay, good. To be honest, it's fun. It's like a, it's a rush. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how I see it. That's exactly how I see it. That's awesome. I'm jacked up for today's show then, especially after my failure last night. I don't know if I can be frustrated with my wife, but uh, um, I don't know how one loses a mouth guard. I've got an old man disease in which, man, I grind my teeth, so I have to wear a mouth guard at night. And I've gotten to the point where when I first started wearing it that I could hardly sleep with the thing in. Now I'm the exact opposite. After about three, four years of wearing it, I can't sleep without it. I don't know what I did with the thing. I've lost it in my own house. Like somehow in the middle of the night, half asleep, I took it out and I don't have any idea where I put it. So I don't, somewhere in our house is this obscure mouth guard. So Jennifer sends me a text at about, yes, we text each other in the house. <laughs> okay, I, I, I get it. I get it. Rip me all you want, but it's just so much easier than yelling. So she texts me in the house and says, hey, do you want to, I bought cheap mouth guards while we're looking for yours. You want to come down here and get it molded to your teeth? I didn't realize I was out in my chair last night, totally out. I'm watching Houston, Iowa State. This is something like four versus 13. This is a huge game. I didn't put it, I didn't record it on the DVR because I, I knew I would be awake with the Coyotes playing so early. I knew I, I'm fine. I don't need to record this game because I'll already be done with Coyotes. I'll watch it live. And then an hour after she texts me, I look at, I see the text. I text her back. So yeah, sure. I'm ready whenever you are. She texts me. What are you talking about? I've been in bed for 20 minutes. Sorry, I didn't wake you up. I thought you needed your sleep. I didn't know I was asleep. I look up and no longer is there 13 minutes remaining in the first half. There's three minutes left in the game. Like, no, it's not recorded. And I missed it. A top 13 game. I just feel like there's such a hole in my knowledge now. I've only seen Iowa State play like three times. I'm not prepared for Iowa State in the NCAA tournament, and I just blew it last night. You, you heard me mention wearing shoes. I have actual real-life gym shoes on today. It is incredibly frowned upon to wear flip-flops in the clubhouse for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is not even allowed to wear flip-flops in the clubhouse at Chase Field. I have been arguing about that rule for a long time. Since I have been fired, I have a lot less pull when it comes to 
credentialized teams. So since the Diamondbacks do give me a credential, I just, in a joking way, ask, are we still banning flip-flops? Are, we, are you sure these are nice flips? But I got to tell you, you should see the looks. Yeah, Doug, you still can't wear flip-flops. But I don't push it now. I, you know, it used to be, hey, what are we doing here? What's, we're, we're in the West Coast team. What's wrong with flip-flops? And then back then, the old show was so important, you could tell that the number one media relations dude, he didn't take any of my crap. We're good friends. But the other people that were really young in the business, they're like, oh, we're sorry, Mr. Franz. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the MLB has, and then they try to give me this long speech. And I'm like, guys, it's all right. It's all right. I'm just kind of screwing around with you. But now I don't argue with anybody. It's like, thank you for my credential. I'm glad you're not the Cardinals. Thank you. Thank you. But, oh, man, wearing real shoes drives me crazy. Um, by the way, you can save your money. Don't bother playing Mega Millions tonight. It's a $500 million and I already bought the winning ticket. So, I'm, I'm you know, public service announcement. Uh, speaking of Mega Millions, uh, Izzy, have you heard of the show Chosen? I have not, no. Okay, this is, this kind of, I got to tell you, this totally creeps me out what happened to me yesterday. People have joked about this to me for years, and I've never believed it. But now I'm, I, I mean, I don't understand how this happened, okay? The show Chosen, it's on various platforms. I don't know the history of the show. I don't know if it started out as a Netflix show and spread out. I, I don't know where it originated from. But a group of people spent tons of money on a high-level production to turn the Gospels into a basically docudrama, okay? So it's based on the Gospels. They found an incredible actor to play Jesus, and it's how he collected different apostles along his journey, bringing people together, and it puts together a bunch of different stories of the Gospel in different uh, episodes. So it's just basically like any other TV show that you stream, but it's been put together in like hour-long blocks of all of Jesus' ministry. As of, ah, gosh, two months ago or so, I have never heard of this show at all. Never knew anything about it. Jennifer said, you know, I want to start watching this. Will you watch it with me? Sure. Now, this is already in like season four. So I, I, I'm sorry to anybody that's like a hardcore viewer of Chosen. I had never even heard of it. So we started watching it. And we're, we're about halfway through season two now, something like that. About every Friday night, we'll cram out about four episodes in a row, three episodes in a row, and then that's it. So we've built up to about halfway through the second season. So this is what totally freaks me out, okay? I want you to know the way our accounts work. We are Amazon Prime members. Jennifer does a lot of stuff on Amazon, so we've been Prime members for a long time. So we watch this show on Amazon Prime. I have no Amazon Prime account. There's nothing tying me to that account other than Jennifer has my last name. There is, I have never ordered anything on Amazon and I do not have a profile on the Amazon um, Prime, what would you call it, TV station, I guess. I mean, there's streaming station. There's nothing on it that says Doug. There's Jennifer and then it says the kids and then it says new and that's it. So you click on Jennifer's name. And then you start scrolling. So all Amazon knows is that Jennifer likes the cho likes chosen. That's it. So yesterday, I'm just doing my regular work, 
waking up watching Houston and Iowa State, and I go to YouTube. And I start scrolling through YouTube for different, um, you know, pieces of information to see if there's any sound for the show. I'm just looking at YouTube and one of the annoying ads pops up. And the ad is Mark Wahlberg and the actor that plays Jesus saying, hey, I'm here. Mark Wahlberg's kind of funny. He goes, hey, I'm here with Jesus. (laughs) And the actor says, "Okay, I'm not on set. I'm not the real Jesus. But there's no reason why we can't pray. And then all of a sudden, I'm praying with Mark Wahlberg. I mean, they start praying in my, in my commercial. And if, I admit, first it was kind of religious. I was like, hey, I'm praying with Jesus. That's nice. And then I realized, wait a minute. How did YouTube do that? I have never signed up for anything Amazon. There's no way Amazon should know I'm watching Chosen. How did YouTube suddenly connect me with that i'm sure it's something with maybe my wi-fi platform that i i don't know but how does that like everybody jokes oh yeah your microphone's on they know what you're doing that was real i mean i I became the first person oh maybe not the first person but i became somebody that was totally creeped out by jesus how did jesus end up on my ipad (laughs) that threw me there's no way amazon should know I'm watching Chosen. There's no way YouTube and Google should know I'm watching Chosen. It's my wife's account. How did that pop up on my YouTube screen? You know what's crazy? They actually teach that in school now. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. But <laughs> they, they actually teach you, like, you know, whether you're, even when you're saying stuff, you could be talking about new glasses. Yes. You could go on Facebook, and it'll be an ad for glasses. It's like, it's so unreal. And it, yeah, I know it's terrifying. I've heard that, and I admit I never believed it. I just thought people were being weird. And now this is total proof that somehow my microphone of my iPad or my phone or something was hearing the voice of God (laughs) from Chosen and has turned it into advertising. For those of you that haven't seen it, I I don't know how I have felt about this for a while. Jason Whitlock went on a rant about two weeks ago. And if you ever want to buy me a beer and ask me about Jason Whitlock, I've got a, a Jason Whitlock story of him and I. We used to be co-workers and that didn't last very long, to be quite blunt. So there's a long story between Jason Whitlock and I, if we walk by each other, it's kind of like, Jason, Doug, <laughs> that's it. We both, we both keep walking. Uh, who knows how we'd feel about each other now. But it was, it was a high intense time in both of our lives when we first uh, were coworkers. But anyway, Whitlock went on this, on the one hand, beautiful rant, really upset about the sexuality that he says is on ESPN.com. When in truth, it was the advertisements that were on ESPN.com and digital advertising is totally dictated, or so I thought, by the websites that you go to. Not necessarily what you talk about in your house, I thought. But anyway, so he's upset about the overtly sexual pictures that were coming up and the things like that. And he just got ripped. He just got ripped of everybody saying, the reason why you get those pictures is because you're looking at sites you shouldn't be looking at. So you're railroading it. And man, he got destroyed. So at least I'm doing something good where 
Jesus pops up on my iPad. I do feel better about myself as a human, even if you're not religious. Hopefully that tells you something about me that I get more Jesus on my YouTube than I get somewhere else. But man, I got to tell you, that really does freak me out that all of that stuff is true. No correlation whatsoever. And now Jesus is on my YouTube feed. That That's still weird to me. Whirlwind, uh, unplugged at whirlwind.com, unplugged at whirlwind.com. Today is Tuesday. Our event is Friday. You're getting like lightning at that, Izzy. For those of you listening to the podcast right now, as soon as I say unplugged at whirlwind.com, there's about a second and a half to two seconds, and Izzy's already got the, uh, the screen up. The first screen at unplugged at whirlwind.com is for Whirlwind Plus plan. If you want information on how much money you save by being a Whirlwind Plus member, click on the blue button there. If you're going to the site specifically to have a tea time on Friday, click on the events page, and the events tab is at the top. And that'll open up a page on the February event, which is coming up Friday. If you want to read about it, that's fine. If you want to do a little more, then scroll to the bottom and click on RSVP and get yourself signed up. I want to be fair to you as a member of the Unplugged Army. And I, this is really important to me when I ask you to spend money. On the one hand, that's how we build this thing, okay? Advertisers advertise on Doug Franz Unplugged and throughout all of our shows on WTSMTV.com to grab you. And if you are supported, this is a different relationship than just here. Here's my spot. It's up to you if you want to come. We need you to support the advertisers or at least my vision. I don't know if everybody else shares the vision of growing WTSM TV sports doesn't happen. I want us to be like this independent voice that doesn't suck up to any of the teams, gives well-researched but hard-hitting opinions, and dives deep into covering the teams more and more. We're not even remotely at the point where my dream is true yet. We got a long way to go. I want, seriously, at least 12 hours of opinionated programming and play-by-play to go from 6A, more than 12 hours. I I would like to go from 6A to like 10P or something like that of hard-hitting sports where you learn something by, by viewing and the, the teams are forced to respect us. That's what I'd like to hit. So we need you to support the sponsors as much as possible. Having said that, I don't have a problem looking straight at you and saying it's only $109. At the same time, I have no problem admitting, holy crap, it's $109. <laughs> I understand the separation. Here's what I mean. To play golf at a premier course during spring training, it's almost $200 everywhere you look. And uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass is so gorgeous, it's about $260 a round. So think about what Sweet Lou is doing for the Unplugged Army. He could be holding out for $260 a person because he knows he's going to get that. And instead, on Friday, on a prime day to golf from noon to 1.30, He's saying, no, Unplugged Army, you get it for 60% off. That's crazy. I mean, that, that's, that's I shouldn't say this. This is kind of how people lose jobs sometimes. What are you doing? What are you doing in the prime time we've got of charging that little? And if you look on the Whirlwind Golf site, you can even see here, it's, it's about $250 to tee off at 11.45, and then all of a sudden there's no tee times past 12 on their website. 
because they're reserved for us at unpluggedatwhirlwind.com. It's a crazy, beautiful deal. But I understand. I was at a point in my life where seriously, I was making, what Jennifer was selling radio advertising, making $14,900 a year, and she was the breadwinner. <laughs> we both worked at the same station. I was making thirteen five. She was making fourteen nine. We were eating one meal a day. We lived in a two-room apartment where it was hilarious. If we got into an argument, one room had the bathroom, one room had the refrigerator. Somebody needs a toilet or food at some point in the argument. And we didn't have any money, so you couldn't, like, go somewhere. We couldn't afford the gas to just drive around for no reason. It was actually great for our marriage because it forced us to talk. Because at some point, you're going to walk through the bedroom to get to the bathroom, and the other person is going to be lying on the bed with nothing to do. It's like, okay, I guess we should talk. <laughs> so I get it. If you're looking at $109 and saying, Doug, I know it's a sanctioned event. I don't have $109 right now. So number one, if you plan on golfing on Friday anywhere in the Valley, come on, do it with us. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. If you look at 109 and you say, Doug, I got to wait till summer before I can golf. That's where you meet us at Trophy. Okay. You can afford a beer or you can afford to just stop by and be there to improve our numbers as a, as a member of the Unplugged Army. Trophy is a new sports bar in Chandler area. It's so much closer to Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass than Rosati's is. So being a, come on now, my job is to make Mikey money as much as I can. He's the original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. He owns Bell's Nashville Kitchen and Rosati's. Before I ever talked to you, I called him and I said, hey, I got to ask you, Trophy is owned by a friend. Uh, it's, it's managed by friends. I know that place well, and it's right next to uh, Whirlwind Golf Club. And Civlet closes at five. That's what I didn't know when we set this thing up. Civlet closes early. So with it closing at five o'clock, I want to make sure that everybody getting off work can go somewhere. So therefore, if you can't golf with us, make sure you stop by happy hour. I'll be there from about 4.30 until 7, 7.30, somewhere in there. And I'd love to see you out there. So please stop by either Whirlwind for uh, Civilic for breakfast around 10.30. Stop by to golf between noon and 1.30. Make sure you go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com to get your tee time set. Or if you can't do any of that, then head over for happy hour at Trophy. Uh, trophy bar in Chandler and I'd love to see you there it's on Queen Creek Road if you look it up all right that's it for um everything that we've got going on in the world sound credits today give credit to at Colin Rugg for videoing the TV monitor while he's watching the car wash of the 18 year old girl that sprayed into the car that is one of my favorite videos of all time and the reason why I uh, granted you can't see her face but it is so quick and like, all right, deal with it. I mean, she is, it is so reactionary and so perfect. Fine. You hit me with the lemonade. Boom. There you go. And then goes right back to work. Now I'm going to finish doing my job. It's not like she sprayed her maliciously, got in there and sprayed the whole car, slammed the hose down and left. To me, it's one way or the other. You either take the lemonade and suck it up. Or you almost go on a tirade with the hose and you spray everything down inside the car. 
there is no way I would have had the class, well, maybe it's not classy, but the restraint of doing it just as one shot. Here you go. You want to mess with me? Boom. See? Not a good idea. Now back to work. Her calm demeanor, like if I am an employer in that area, I am finding out, okay, we've got an 18-year-old girl that'll stand up for herself, won't take crap from rude customers, but at the same time really isn't malicious. I, I like this person. Got some spunk, but not, not a jerk. I, I'm, if I had good money and I'm an employer, hey, how can I pay for your college and get you to work for me for five years after graduation? I'm a big fan of that girl. Uh, Coyotes PR department sent us the Coyote stuff. We took Diamondbacks from AZ Family and PHNX. And we want to talk Suns today. TNT Altcast and the boardroom provided us some give and take between Charles Barkley and Kevin Durant. And we use Sportsnet for some of our Coyotes highlights. And I think that's it. Uh, anything going on in your life, Izzy? Uh, no, nah, it's been pretty dry yesterday. So, okay. Just chilling today. All right. Well, then let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. It is a topic that is a nationwide topic. And yesterday it hit right here at home. And that is Ken Kendrick, owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, expressing frustration with the fact that the public is not coming through with enough public funding or being forthright on a deal for him to get Chase Field up to the standards that he wants to see Chase Field. That's his big beef. That's his issue. And he went public with it yesterday. So now it's an issue that happens everywhere in our country. And now it's right here. And it's an interesting debate on what should happen. Before I give you my opinion, um, let's give me, uh, we'll go Kendrick one. I'll, then I'll talk about it. And then we'll go Kendrick two, if you could. Give me Kendrick one, please, Izzy. All across the country, stadiums that have been around in, in the timeline that our stadium has been around are, are being reprised and being upgraded in cities uh, that frankly are not as uh, economically vibrant uh, as our city is, our community is, and places like Baltimore and Cleveland and Milwaukee, where public-private partnership is, is coming together to take the fan experience, take the stadium to, to state-of-the-art levels. And we're frankly disappointed we haven't been able to do it. It's a very, very interesting debate. Let me be clear for Doug's big one. Okay, my number one opinion today is I want the Diamondbacks to stay in Phoenix and I want them to stay in specifically the city of Phoenix and specifically downtown. I want the Arizona Diamondbacks to stay in Phoenix. And as long as Ken, Ken Kendrick is truly willing to spend upwards of $400 million of his own money in order to upgrade Chase Field, I am totally in favor of the city, county, state of Arizona, then chipping in the rest and being able to revitalize Chase Field. Yes, I'm in favor of it. That's number one. Now, let me be totally understandable to you. I accept and have no beef if you politically disagree with everything I just said. I, I get it. I totally get it. 
there are millions of studies that prove me right and there are millions of studies that prove me wrong okay i don't i I have a hard time believing any of them isn't it interesting everybody who believes in me agrees with me of city county and states building stadiums to a certain extent finds people who study it that say see this was a good idea and everybody who disagrees finds studies that oh look at this and they pay for studies that disagree okay we know that so that's kind of a moot argument like for an example every time something happens at state farm stadium whether it be this year's upcoming final four whether it be previous super bowls whether it be college national championship games There's a study done by the ASU Business Impact, something from W.P. Carey that comes out and says how brilliant it was and the economic impact on our city. I believe those studies, but I can understand if you say it and you don't believe it. So we have to establish that first. Secondly, I want you to understand where there's holes in how I feel, okay? The holes in how I feel are, I'm not in favor of city, counties, and states using public dollars to build stadiums if we're talking about Fargo, North Dakota, trying to attract an NFL team. You know what I mean? I mean, what what are we doing this for? Um, For an example, Kansas City. I love the city of Kansas City. They built a gorgeous arena, the Sprint Center, with public funding. And the hope was to get an NBA or an NHL team. Kansas City felt like they really screwed up. If you don't know the backstory, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans. The, the, at the time, I think they were still called the New Orleans Hornets. Have no idea where to go. And Oklahoma City had built an arena. So the Hornets spent almost the whole year in Oklahoma City. And all of Kansas City was irate because they wanted an NBA team. They felt like they missed their window of not having an arena ready. Now, think about how kind of dumb that is. Like, you're going to build an arena on the hopes of somebody has a hurricane. And you can dance on their parade and take their team. Well, Oklahoma City basically did that. And after the fans totally supported the Hornets and were fantastic, an Oklahoma business and oil man bought the Sonics, acted like he was going to keep them in Seattle, and then, boom, moved them to Oklahoma City because that's the city he loved, that's where he's from, and they play in that arena, and they're happy, and they've got a team. And once the arena was uh, Smoothie King was fixed up, then the Hornets came back to New Orleans, eventually changed their name to the Pelicans, and there's that story. So that's the backstory. So Kansas City builds this gorgeous Sprint Center, and they were promised to get an NHL or an NBA team. Instead, almost every NHL and NBA team uses Kansas City against their home market. Hey, if you don't build us a stadium or you don't renovate, we might be going to Kansas City. You know, it's right there. And I don't think anybody has any intention of going to Kansas City. I don't. I don't think they'll ever have an NBA or an NHL franchise. But every time we talk about expansion, Kansas City gets brought up. Okay, so that's the story where I would disagree with Kansas City using public money to build an arena. It is why they have the Big 12 championships. That's a great economic driver. I haven't lived in Kansas City in enough time to know whether or not the arena pays for itself now, but 
I kind of wonder if it really does, but you would have lost the Big 12 Championship Basketball uh, Conference Tournament and some NCAA tournaments that are held at Sprint Center if it wasn't for building it. So that part of it works, but whether that works long term, I don't know. But to me, it's the city. It's the vibrancy of the city. It's the what are you doing with the facility? And it's whether or not are you really a destination city? Those things matter to me. Okay. so now on to the the stadium part. I respect you if you disagree with me. There's no reason in us arguing back and forth whether or not tax dollars should be used for this. But you have to understand this when you make a decision if you're against this, okay? Other cities will pay for it. Accept that first and foremost. I've always said this to people that get in this argument. If the Browns can move, everybody could move. The Cleveland Browns, the original Cleveland Browns, are now the Baltimore Ravens. The current Cleveland Browns are just any old expansion franchise. The difference was great job mayor of Cleveland who threatened to sue the NFL and the Browns as an organization if they took the colors and the name with them. That's what forced Baltimore to become, hey, let's have a naming event. Let's call it, okay, Edgar Allan Poe will be the Ravens. And the color scheme and the name the Browns and the history of the team remained in Cleveland to be used by the expansion franchise. That's how that worked out. But make no mistake, they were selling out. They had an incredible fan base when they moved. It was just an owner, Art Modell, who was a terrible owner, totally misspent, and then was upset when the city wouldn't build him a stadium. Okay, leave that go and now move over here to the Diamondbacks. If you're okay with the Diamondbacks leaving town, if you don't think that hurts the, the, the image of the city or you don't care whether it hurts the image of the city because you are staunchly against city dollars, county dollars, tax dollars going to build a stadium, man, I disagree with you, but boy, is that you're right. This is not an argument between the two of us. But for me, I look at the scenario right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I want them downtown. I don't like the idea. I believe in a vibrant downtown. I don't like the idea that the Coyotes are looking at going way up in North Scottsdale, full well knowing that if they do, I'm now out. I could never go to a Coyotes game. That's an hour and a half drive for me. I'm I'm done. There's I just can't do it. You might be an east side guy and say, Doug, I never could go when they were in Glendale. Okay, I get it. But downtown for our baseball team and our basketball team, please, I want that to keep going. Here's where this gets interesting. You might not realize it. The arena is owned by the city and it's rented by the Suns. Now, the agreement is the Suns, hey, we'll run the entire arena for you, and therefore our rent will be cheaper. It's a fair deal, and the city is very good at doing it. Now, you might not know this about me. I hope this doesn't sound hypocritical. When the when this last arena vote came up about two years ago, maybe it was four years ago now, on the renovations, and the vote was up on what needed to be done, I was totally in favor of the city renovating it. I was actually not in favor of the deal that was struck. The original deal between Jerry Colangelo and the city I thought was unbelievably fair. Great job, city, and great job, Mr. Colangelo. If Hey, if we're going to use tax dollars, I'm going to make sure the city benefits. I thought the deal that Roger Goodell struck, Roger Goodell, <laughs> Robert Sarver struck 
with the, with the city was not a good deal for the city. I thought that should have been tweaked in different ways to more benefit the city. But hey, the city founding fathers, whoever they are, they gave it to you. You've got that deal. Great. Here's the catch for the Diamondbacks. The county owns the stadium. That is Maricopa County. So therefore, all of us that live in this county, all of our tax dollars go to build that. I think Maricopa County is sitting here thinking, okay, the Diamondbacks aren't leaving the county. If they move from downtown, where would they go? Tribal land along the 101? State land along the 101? After the Coyotes thing, you're probably never going to the west side. They're probably looking at this thing and saying, why do we need to negotiate hard? Everything that you are negotiating keeps you in Maricopa County. Our hands are only tied if you're going to move. Only if you're going to move. And there's really not a great threat of the Diamondbacks moving. You know why? Because you still have this weird thing with the Oakland A's going on. And therefore, if they move to Vegas and that becomes like it's official, but there hasn't been a shovel that's built anything yet. You've taken away that expansion market. Then there's the Tampa situation. The Rays should not be in St. Petersburg. They do have an agreement to build a new stadium in St. Petersburg. But again, no shovel has hit the dirt. Then you've got an expansion battle going on of potentially Portland, potentially Vancouver, potentially Montreal, and potentially Charlotte, and potentially Nashville. Those are kind of the cities that are vying for the next baseball team. Well, baseball doesn't want to expand until they officially know what they've got as it relates to Las Vegas and Tampa. Then they want to expand to two of the cities I just mentioned and get to 32 teams. Okay, once they do that, do they really want to lose one of the expansion sites while the Diamondbacks say, fine, we're going to Portland. We're moving. Really? I don't think baseball wants that. So Maricopa County, in this sense, has all the leverage. But that doesn't mean you need to use it. That doesn't mean you need to use it. I would like the county to decide what's best for the city. And I wouldn't mind the city of Phoenix jumping up and down a little bit. I think this is where we need some leadership. I would like the city of Phoenix to say, you know what? Since it benefits us the most to have them downtown, county, let us take a little bit of this burden. Let's have the three of us talk. State of Arizona, let's have all of us talk. Obviously, you have to be with me to spend the money. And maybe you're not with me at all to spend the money. I get it. But if you're with me, that have both sides share in this deal and we're getting 400 to 500 million from the Arizona Diamondbacks, then I would like to see all three entities come together and split the cost. So you so each element pays 33% of the 50%. It kind of sounds like a Yogi Berra-ism there, but I think that makes sense. Diamondbacks pay half, taxpayers pay half, and it comes from three different pots. Obviously, if you live in Phoenix, you hate this idea because you would be paying as a Phoenix resident, as a county resident of Maricopa County, and as a state resident in the state of Arizona. I get it, but it's an amenity that I think benefits Phoenix the most, the county second, and the state third. 
So that's how I would be paying twice as a Goodyear resident of Maricopa County and as a state resident. And for those of you guys that those of you uh, that, that watch me in uh, in Tombstone here on WTSM TV, you're only paying a little bit because it still benefits the state. Next week's Town Hall Tuesday, I'd love your opinion on Doug's big one. I would love to hear your opinion on Doug's big one. Here is Ken Kendrick talking about whether or not the Diamondbacks might actually leave. Well, we, we, we aren't having those conversations. There, there are opportunities available. You know, there are other cities that would covet having Major League Baseball. I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, speaking out of school to say that. And those names are they're prominent cities uh, that would love to have a Major League team. We're not in dialogue with those communities, but, you know, we, we are aware of what is going on. There, there is likely to be in time an expansion of our sport to a couple of additional cities. Cities are letting uh, MLB know their interest. Their interest in getting a team is specific. Uh, they would be happy with a brand new franchise, but they would certainly be very happy, you know, with frankly a successful existing franchise. It's not where we are spending time or energy. Uh, uh, we may run out of time in Phoenix. We hope that won't happen. Uh, you know, we're you know we're hard at it. We're continuing to have meetings. We've ramped up the uh, dialogue in every way that we know how, uh, and we'll continue to do that. Ken, we we, do, we right do still uh, we do still have conversations with local interested parties. It's just a you know it's a math problem with anything, right? But we we still do take the phone calls and take the meetings. But we have been focused on on Chase. But you're not at the point where you're threatening. That's one of those where okay, let's make sure we go breakdown, breakdown, breakdown mode here for a second. A lot of you will hear that and and feel that that's a veiled threat by Ken Kendrick. I I want to make sure you have the full picture, but you still might decide that that's a veiled threat. That's just somebody in the media answering the question. Hey, are you looking at other cities? Are you looking at other communities? Uh, if if the city doesn't, if the county doesn't come through, is this your only? If this is your only option, is Chase Field, or are you looking to move? So then Ken Kendrick's just asking a question. So on the one hand, I don't want you to argue the Diamondbacks are coming out here throwing bombs at, at the county, threatening to move. No, they're not. They're just answering the question. However, don't any of us be dumb enough to not think the Diamondbacks knew somebody was going to ask the question, okay? They're prepared to answer the question of, are you threatening to leave? And then you answer that question by saying, well, listen, there's a ton of cities out there that want us, but right now we're focused here. So they're not above throwing it out there because they knew what was happening. But if nobody would have asked the question, they weren't going to say that. I think that's important. It's a little bit of a give and take. It's very easy to say, oh, they just wanted to throw, you know, threat make drop threats that they're moving no that wasn't their goal but they were certainly prepared if it came up okay if i didn't change your mind i wasn't trying to just i was giving you more information on it but again i'm in favor of refurbishing chase field there's one other idea i wouldn't be totally against i would love a new Diamondback Stadium being built in in South Downtown. There's a lot of things to me in some of the crappy warehouses and things like that where you could build Chase Field further south and then renovate, build a new Diamondback Stadium and then renovate Chase Field for the rising. 
I would like to have an MLS team, but you've got to have a roof to do it. And you could just renovate Chase Field just a little bit and renovate it for soccer and then build a brand new dome for the Diamondbacks. I might be dreaming on that. That's a big project, but why not? You know, we're a huge city. Let's dream a little bit and have some fun. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's skip now. I still want to make sure we have time for Scott Williams, who's coming up at 7 o'clock. But I think I might be lying to myself. I think we can do Town Hall Tuesday in, in 10 minutes. What do you think, Izzy? Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm good with it. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Hear ye. Hear ye. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. It's time to call a town hall meeting. <laughs> Jeff Weir Production just came in and gave me the thumb. Jeff, you and I have been together long enough. You're allowed to just grab a microphone and tell me what's on your mind. Come on. You well, know I saw him throw the town hall uh, Tuesday uh, stinger, so I was like, well, I'll just go give him the thumbs up. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Jeff Weir Production, ladies and gentlemen, in the house, scheduled to be here at 7 o'clock, and I saw him arrive at about 6.20. Gamer. Gamer, Jeff Weir Production. All right, Izzy, what do we got on town hall Tuesday today? All right, uh, why would Desiree Reed Francois leave Mizzou, an SEC school that finished in the top 10 in football last year and just got the record in donations for stadium improvements in order to take a pay cut and join the school in athletic financial turmoil? <laughs> anyone in the Doug Franz, well, excuse anyone in the unplugged army getting Rattler season tickets, we need an unplugged session. Let's go. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of the Rattlers, why the new suits? Oh. Is the tuxedo <laughs> retired already? This is from uh, General Mike. He says, see you all Friday. Oh boy, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. Maybe we won't get through it in 10 minutes. Uh, let me be like lightning here. Number one, why would Desiree Reed Francois leave Mizzou? I have no idea. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is there's a new body. And when I say body, I don't mean human being, but there's a new group of people uh, uh, of like four people that have been hired or more appointed by the state government of Missouri to oversee university athletics. And she might feel like that's weird. I should only have to report to a president. I don't want to report to a board. It could be that. It could be as simple as I went to U of A law school. I love the desert and I want to get back to the desert. And Columbia is out in the middle of nowhere. It's just not near anything. It could now for me, I feel the same way about Tucson, but maybe she doesn't. So that could be it. That's the only thinking I can have logically why she would do it. Uh, any other reason, it's just a steal for U of A. I mean, Bobby Robbins crushed this hire from what I know about it. This is a woman, you know, I'll talk about this a lot more later uh, because I want to get into it deeper, but this is a great topic. But I think U of A looks fantastic right now. Um, As far as Rattler season tickets, I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, Having an unplugged army section for anybody that's getting Rattler season tickets. I don't know how to put that together, but I'll send an email over and see what we can do. And yes, I'm not wearing a tux on the Rattlers play-by-play broadcast, okay? There's there's uh, limits. That's why I needed new suits. What's next? You've always said you're a rules geek. In your opinion, what's the dumbest or worst rule in sports? This is from John R. You know, boy, I like that. Um, I would say this rule really bothers me because try to explain why. why. Why does this exist? You might not realize this. Let's say there's an onside kick. If the receiving team recovers the onside kick, don't think of it like somebody diving on the ball. 
if the receiving team gets the onside kick, they can run the ball down the field. They can catch it, run right down the field, okay? If the kicking team receives the onside kick, then the kicking team can't run the ball down the field. However, if you fumble the kickoff as the receiving team, the kicking team can pick it up and run with it. They can pick it up and run. However, on a punt, if you don't quite catch the punt, it's not called a fumble, it's called a muff. And if you muff the punt, now the receive, the kicking team can't advance it. But if you catch the punt and then fumble, now the kicking team can advance it, the punting team. Now think about all that. Now, you might be shaking your head, what? Exactly. You asked me what's the dumbest rule. So if you kick an onside kick and it just happens to bounce up to me while I'm running down the field, I can advance it. The whistle blows and I get the ball where I caught it. Why? Why can't I keep running? The other team can keep running. And then even dumber, I can't advance a muffed punt, but I can advance a fumbled punt. And I can't advance an onside kick if I catch it, but I can advance it if you muff the kickoff. Because there's no such thing as a muff on a kickoff, but the exact same play is a muff on a punt. Those things, like, that's all dumb. Make it smooth and one simple way. If the ball's on the ground, I can pick it up and run. That's it. Make one simple rule. All right, what's next? Uh, I can't remember whether it was last week or the week before, but you were dropping hints about Sean Coogler. Uh, was it that you were? What is it that you're not telling us? The unplugged oh. army needs to know. Oh. This is from Chris F. Chris F. Yes, there are a lot of things I know about this. Um, uh, but there's a lot of things I can be sued about too. <laughs> so let me kind of put organize my thoughts. Let me give you my opinion. Okay, let's just keep it straight to my opinion. Sean Kugler, for those of you that don't remember, former offensive line coach for the Arizona Cardinals, he goes to Mexico City with the team. He's accused of groping a Mexican woman somewhere on the grounds of the hotel. The team then immediately flies him back to Phoenix and dismisses him at the as basically as soon as they land, he's off the team. I personally don't believe it was him. I personally believe that is not what happened. I personally believe he is not the white, bald guy that did it. I personally believe that this is an accusation that was thrown out to get revenge on Sean Coogler. It just so happens that Sean Coogler, in, I think, is such a veteran of a coaching staff is that he's the type of guy that let's say you might not know this but for an example most assistant coaches get playoff bonuses okay almost every team hands out a playoff bonus I could see a scenario with the way Michael Bidwell runs the team where he didn't want to give out playoff bonuses and I can see Sean Kugler being the type of guy who would not like that and would stand up for the assistant coaches. And then I can see the Cardinals being the type of organization that wants to get revenge. That is my personal belief on what happened. Um, Sean Kugler has told me before that, uh, Doug, this isn't something I'm allowed to speak about because this is now being handled through NFL arbitration. I really like this is like, please give me some room. This is like a 10 month old text, but it was something like, I'd really like to talk to you about this, but I can't. Okay. And, and so 
I don't have it. I am tied into a lot of the Terry McDonough stuff. I'm not tied into the Sean Coogler stuff. And Sean has kept his distance because he has to. So I hope to learn more, but I do know some things, yet I'm telling you my opinion. I don't believe Sean Coogler did anything wrong, and I'm going to stick to my opinion on that until something happens. The problem for me is it's hard for me to trust anybody when I can't reach out to a Mexican consulate. They're not talking about it. Certainly the Cardinals aren't talking about it. So you can see it's hard for me to get information. Okay, um, let's see. You know what, Izzy? I'll tell you what. Almost all the other ones are about a tweet I sent out yesterday. All right. Uh, yesterday I sent out a tweet that said something to the favor, uh, favor of, okay, all of you NBA players love Kobe. All of you want to talk about Mamba mentality. All of you want to build yourself up as competitors who fight like Kobe does. And then you put on an all star game effort like that Kobe would have wanted to win Michael would have wanted to win Bird and Magic would have wanted to win and you guys aren't there so quit referring to Kobe Bryant as your hero if you're not going to do it all the time if you're going to pick and choose when you have mama mentality we got a lot of great responses to that so let's do our first ever double version of Town Hall Tuesday let's bring it back coming up after Scott Williams does that sound good oh yeah sounds good okay so let's do that so more Town Hall Tuesday specifically to people responding to my opinion that it's hypocritical to give all credit to Kobe Brian about his competitive nature and then turn yours off. Either you have it or you don't. We'll get your responses to my opinion coming up after Scott Williams. Scott Williams is a three-time NBA champion. He's a former son, but he was a member of that Bulls team that John Paxson hit the three and beat the Phoenix Suns in the famous game six that was right here in Phoenix and the Suns came so close to being the only team to beat Michael Jordan when he wasn't playing baseball, which, which you do have to throw in that caveat because the magic did knock off Michael Jordan, but that was when he came back from playing basketball. So I want to talk to Scott Williams because he's also the color analyst of GCU. That's something that deserves a ton of attention because nobody would have expected. They're the best team in Maricopa County. That's next. Scott Williams, NBA world champion on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. This is the home of the Arizona Rattlers, the home of the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker and Son, 602-2-REPAIR. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about... 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. We have a ton of things to talk about with a friend of the show, a guy that I like to consider a friend of mine, Scott Williams, filled in for Wolf a couple times. We've had him on Doug Franz Unplugged a couple times, so it's great to see him, and we'll talk about his book coming up. He's the author of this book right here, Through the Fire, and uh, one of our highest viewed shows that we've ever had on Doug Franz Unplugged here on WTSMTV.com was when he came in studio, and he's nice enough to come on and rub it in that he's a world champion with his bull shirt that one of the championships he won here in town. <laughs> What are you what are you doing with the shirt? You knew we were talking GCU. You just wanted a pound of flesh this morning. Good good morning, Doug. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on. Yes, you know, listen, um, I, I didn't sleep real good last night. So I grabbed the first shirt that I saw in the closet this morning and headed upstairs to the loft and, uh, and jumped on with you. But I thought it would go good. Because, uh, you know, the black is kind of slimmy. Oh, yeah, I see. After the, after the holidays, you know, yeah, I said I was going to start trying to, you know, drop a few LBs. And it hasn't gone uh, <laughs> the way I've liked here these first six weeks of the new year. <laughs> six so weeks, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little over six weeks, right? So I mean, it's amazing how fast time flies. But, I, you know, I'm 55 and fat right now. So... Uh, I'll be 56 next month. So I thought I'd try to lose a few LBs. I got about 30 days. So I started on this 15-day cleanse, and it's not having me sleep nights, man. So uh, I, I had to hit snooze bar a couple times. So I, I'm looking a little disheveled this morning. The head's not shaved, and uh, uh, I'm sure I don't, I don't have I don't have my my TV makeup crew here to, to get me looking pretty for you this morning. So uh, I apologize for throwing on this old boy. I didn't want to throw it in, the, in these uh, Suns fans' faces. Uh, but I couldn't find a clean sun shirt this morning. I grabbed the bull shirt. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't mean I don't know whether this is a compliment to your appearance or an insult to your makeup people. I can't tell the difference. I think you look fine, other than the bull's uh, uh, logo. Uh, the most important question before we dive into all the topics I want to cover with you: How's the family? How's life? Everything's good. You know, uh, hoops season is in full swing right now. Uh, so, you know, doing the games over at Grand Canyon University is a heck of a lot of fun. Don't know how many of your uh, viewers and listeners have had a chance to uh, be over to the credit uh, Global Credit Union Arena uh, on GCU's campus and check out this 23-24 uh, GCU basketball team. But they are really something to watch. Mm-hmm. Um and they're a lot of fun. Twenty, what is it now? Twenty-three and two, I believe it is. Twenty-four. Uh, Give yourself won. an extra win. Twenty-four. Thank you. Yeah, Twenty-four yeah. two. They've won seven in a row. They've had a fourteen-game uh, win streak earlier in the year. Uh, they got the best record in college basketball as far as wins and losses. 
goes and uh, they're they're just a, a good fun team to watch they don't play old school 90s basketball but they remind me of the unselfish teams that mm. I played with at University of North Carolina under coach Dean Smith coach Bryce Drew uh, is the best coach uh, in Arizona college coach in Arizona Wow, that now that's that's cool. You know, I I look at what's going on, and well, I'll get to that comment because I heard that. That's certainly something to talk about here in a second. But South Carolina is ranked twentieth in the country. That's the only neutral site loss that the teams had, undefeated at home, and they were able to get the reciprocal win, lo- lose at Seattle, beat Seattle at home, and those are the yep. only two losses of the year. Tell me a story about this team that lets you, that, that is why you believe. I, mean, I can read the record and say, wow, 24 and 2. But you've seen there's been millions of lower mid-major teams, low major teams that have had fantastic regular seasons just to get the snot kicked out of them in their own conference tournament. And now they don't make the NCAA tournament or they get into the NCAA tournament, but they're only a 13 seed and they get smacked in the face. Tell me about this team. Why? do you believe specifically in this team beyond their record? Um, You know, they got an intangible that is is always so important in basketball and uh, that's camaraderie, chemistry, a love for playing for one another that can't be quantified when it goes on to the court. Um, All the special teams that I've had from North Carolina to Chicago to Milwaukee, uh, even even the Phoenix Suns team I was on here with Stefan Marbury, Sean Marion, and Amari Stoudemire, and Penny Hardaway uh, for the one year that we were all together. We had that special it factor. And what that means is that the some of the parts probably, uh, you know, all the parts rather aren't, aren't all that great, but the sum of the parts together just makes up for something very special when guys care for one another. Uh, there's no bickering. There's no uh, finger pointing. There's no looking over anybody's shoulder who's coming up behind them to try to, to get their shots. There's their, their minutes, their playing time. And that makes for a special championship style recipe that it hasn't been the lowest blowing teams out by 25 and 30 points every time they step on the floor on the road and at home they found themselves down by 10 in the first half double digits in the second half and they have been able to just continue to fight pick away a block shot here a deflection there a follow tip there a three-pointer by an unlikely suspect a hustle play uh anything that it seems as though that uh, they can do to help get the win is what they do. I'll take it and go one step forward. Uh, they had a guy come to the team. His name's Tyon Grand Foster this year to uh, transfer from DePaul, sat out of basketball for two years. He has supplanted as the leading scorer on this team. And you would think that, you know, the new guy coming in, you know, he's supposed to have a little bit of a pecking order. But the uh, leading scorer from last year, Ray Harrison, has no problem with being uh, the number two, being the facilitator, making the plays, leading the team in assist every night. The starting point guard from two years ago who led his team here in Arizona to four state championships was the uh, WAC preseason player of the year before he blew his knee out a year ago. Now comes off the bench, doesn't, doesn't complain about his role. Guys that don't get opportunities to shoot the get out there and play, put your hard hat, grab your lunch pail, set the picks, 
you know, get the rebounds, play the solid defense. They have accepted their role. So I say all that to say that Coach Bryce Drew has got a, a talented group of young men that have bought into the GCU culture, and that's what I'll call it, which they never had under Coach Dan Marley. I like Dan. He's a Valley favorite for the Suns. But he did not do what Coach Drew's done in the short period of time that he has been in GCU, and that's establish a culture of of love and friendship and family that these guys have really bought into, and it's really something special to watch. And that's why I say Coach Bryce Drew is the best coach here in the Valley. When you um, when you were talking about not pointing fingers, you're talking about the team chemistry. I, I, you know, somebody might not care about the lopes at all, but they're a blue collar guy getting ready for work and going to a hard construction job or somebody who's an actual employer and has a staff of 10, 15, 20 people. They're struggling like crazy to create that same environment. So with what you're seeing from GCU, with what you saw on other teams that you played on, irrelevant that they were talking sports, how do you get guys to not point fingers and to create an environment where the sum is bigger than the collective parts you have to allow people to connect that that is the biggest thing that i found as being all my travels in the uh nba you know when you're a journeyman you play seven different teams over 15 years you got to learn how to connect your teammates real quickly off of the floor it's not so much you know you know where i'm gonna be on this pick and roll and how fast i'm gonna roll or how quick i'm gonna pop it's Hey, you know, tell tell me about what's going on with your family, your child, and how you grew up. What was your first love? Was it baseball? Do you like cars, dogs? You got to have a connection with these dudes, uh, you know, away from the court because you spend so much time together on the floor, in the uh, training facility, working out, lifting weights, watching film. Uh, That becomes monotonous and boring. And if you don't have something to connect to a dude, you know, it could be as simple as, hey, you know, one of my family members is always in my pocket, Scott, you know, always ask for something the only time I hear from them, when they got you know the car breaks down or they're a little short on the rent and you you find some common things on how to you know or you know I got a sick mom or a dad or whatever it could be but you find some common ways to just talk to people uh, and get to know them personally and I think that's what coach Bryce Drew's done he has so many opportunities for these guys to get together away from the floor away from the campus um you know, whether it be at his house or on the road, I remember a snowball fight that they had uh, <laughs> up in the mountains uh, when the team was kind of struggling, and then they went on a, a huge run in the tournament, won four in the tournament to make the big dance. So it's little things like that that he has established with this team, and I think that that is what any any business, uh, any family dynamic that wants to be successful has to have that that connection and a care and a love that you know that somebody really cares about you and will support you uh, doing some tough times in your life. When you say, I mean, let's now be specific. You 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 said it twice. You think he's the best coach in the valley, uh, and there's obviously 
there's a lot of issues at ASU right now. And so you're saying that about Bryce Drew. I have to ask, why do you think Drew is the best coach in the Valley? And kind of a sidebar is, what's going on at ASU? What's your feeling about a team that gets – I mean, I don't know how you feel about if North Carolina loses by 40 against Duke. Uh, what what, what <laughs> is that? Yeah, exactly. What does that Amen. do? I mean, where are we as you look from the outside at ASU from a very nice position with GCU? Don't get me riled up, Doug. It's seven o'clock in the morning. Let's not talk about Carolina losing to Duke. Now that those that that was just some fight words yeah. right there. Yeah, we can we can hey, we can we can lose almost every game in the ACC as long as we beat Duke twice. That that'd be fine by me. A couple. But, what uh, was it last year? I thought that was going to happen in North Carolina. So it's not that far fetched. <laughs> yeah, you know, two years ago we were really damn good. We beat them. We beat them in the uh, final regular season, Coach K's final regular yeah, season home yeah, game, yeah. and then in the final four we met for the first time, and we sent Coach K uh, off into retirement. So yeah, <laughs> we, we're excited. We got the one win this year. Carolina's doing okay. They 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 had a long win streak too, and now they're starting to you know scuffle around a little bit. I think they dropped down to number 10 of the polls but to answer your question why i i what i think is wrong at asu uh and you know hurley's a duke guy so i don't want this to sound like a bash and a, a blue devil hell i wanted to get on his staff when he first came here uh, i was very excited about the hire i thought that you know with my 20 plus years here in the valley and i always thought it, the college program at asu could be so much more uh, and he just hasn't delivered I don't know what it is about whether it's the players now uh, that he's been able to recruit, but um, he hasn't established a culture on campus that gets anybody excited about wanting to be a part of that program, not from a fan uh, or from a player. I I don't really even have gotten connected with what he's what he's done there, and I think that's been the biggest difference. I think from what. You know, Coach Coach uh, uh, Bryce Drew has done it at GCU. He has developed a, a culture. Yeah, there's going to be guys that come in and, and the transfer and they leave in the transfer portal. But uh, I got to give him a lot of credit. What he what he has done is established a culture. You know, he's, he's it's a big Christian school um, o- over there, and that may have something to do with the quality of of individuals that they're getting. They have a little bit more love in their hearts. Uh, than some players that that may not be as uh, faith based, but uh, he is using I think m- more with less talent than what you could get at ASU. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised. And I know my folks at GCU are going to be mad for me saying this this early in the morning. I'm going to say I'm going to tell them it's because I hadn't had my first cup of coffee. <laughs> but I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised if a big school comes after Coach Bryce Drew this summer and makes him an offer that he may not be able to refuse because he that's how successful that he has been a part of not just the wins but turning the program around. If you've ever been in that arena to watch the fervor and what those kids are excited about when their team takes the floor how they play and how they represent the 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 university is quite impressive I, i don't know if you've ever made an argument where you have no facts to back you up but it's just what you want even though you know there's no logic i'll be blunt i am a bobby 
I was a Bobby Hurley defender. I saw things getting ugly, and I've been, listen, this is a fantastic hire. Here's a guy that has zero support from an athletic director who actually supported a booster who was, you know, sexually harassing wives on the team or on the uh, in the staff. Here's a president that's not following through that finds out. So I have been, like, kind of taking bullets for Bobby Hurley for a long time, and I admit – I'm dropping my shield after a 45-point loss. It's not like I didn't know they weren't going to lose to U of A. But during this season, to have it hit you in the face that you have to ask yourself the question, is ASU going up or going down? They're not just going down. They're falling down a ski slope, you know, right now. that's I, I'm not in that position anymore where I defend, but I admit, Scott, I don't really love the idea of firing him when you haven't given the guy any support or direction, even though – I'm not really arguing anything you said. You know, I, I get it. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and you, know, you mentioned that 45-point uh, loss. It's like, you know, you knew you were undermanned going into that game. Uh, and you, and, but to, to give up 105 points, yes. is that what, 100, 105 to, 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 was it 60? Yes. I mean, and remember, they were up 20 that, to that 15. That makes you think that your, your, your game plan was completely off. Yeah. Like, right, like you didn't care enough to even try to do something to change what the inevitable outcome would have been. You lose by 20, everybody goes, wow, that's a bad beatdown. But to lose by 45 just makes you sound like you don't try and on a team that's 13 and 13 that was in the tournament a year ago. And I understand they didn't have their best player for a good chunk of the, of the uh, season this year. Year. But it's like all the other things that you that you said. These kids still show up. They still lace up their sneakers. They pull, still put on that ASU jersey. You know, you got to have some pride. The coaching staff let them down, I think, yeah. as well. So yeah. maybe it's time for you know, with with a new hire and a, and a new, a, new a, a clean slate. There, I, I used to not bash early. I you've, I don't think you could ever find a comment where I've ever uh, ever bashed a coach. That's not what I do. I I'm not that kind of guy looking for clickbait or sensationalism or anything like that um i've always either just remain just remain silent on the topic mm-hmm. but it's gotten to the point now that uh you know i, I think this program could be so much more than it re- that it has turned out over the, over this uh hurley era and and i say that saying he made the tournament last year yeah so. yeah yeah it's hard it's hard to argue the point i i totally accept that you know the, i would later on in the show in, in about 30 minutes we're going to talk uh, maybe more like 20 we're going to talk about charles Barkley saying Kevin Durant's a follower and not a leader and that's the problem because he's the best player on every team and he doesn't lead he follows and I know that you're answering this question as a fan and as a knowledgeable basketball guy you have spent zero time in a son's huddle in 20 years or so so I I know you're not right there so it's a little unfair to ask but I, I do ask is he right in the way you feel, or is there something Kevin Durant doesn't do? As a guy who's played with a Michael Jordan, does your best player have to be the leader, or how does that dynamic work? Is it a problem if Kevin Durant doesn't lead in the way other people say leaders lead? You know, let, let me first start, Doug, by saying that Kevin Durant's my favorite player in the NBA right now. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, I you know I, I've done some fill-in shows over at uh, 98.7 as well, and I've had some guests come on. Oh, I've never heard of them. Um, okay. And one of them, and, and one of uh, one of them was Stacy King. Okay. And 
when the Suns were struggling, I asked AC about Kevin Durant because I said, hey, listen, he is my favorite player, but does he need to start yanking some chains on his on his team with his teammates? And even Stacy said, Scotty's not that kind of guy. And Stacy's a you know he's the color analyst for the Chicago Bulls. He's yeah. he's he's around the NBA a lot more than I have been uh, in the last ten years, and. I kind of have to. I have to agree with him as much as I don't want to. I, I think that you know D- Durant on this on this squad. He's all in all of his squads. He's always been kind of. Well, I'm a leader by example, not being vocal. And I just think that when the team was underachieving, and granted that Bradley Beal was still out of the mix at that point, um, you need your best player to mm-hmm. step up and get in dudes' faces and start holding not only. You know, he's going to hold himself accountable. I think that I'm not saying that he runs from his own accountability, but holding, you know, Devin Booker and uh, Nurkic and some of these, you know, Eric Gordon, all these guys that um, uh, that came in this year to a higher standard than maybe what they want to do. And, and to the point where it's uncomfortable for almost everybody around there when they're not winning. I love And that. the best way that I could... I guess uh, compared to is I don't know if you got a chance to see uh, Michael Jordan's Last Dance, the ten part yep. documentary, when he almost broke down into tears and had to tell them to stop filming because he, he was uncomfortable because he, he said that you know not everybody's always going to like me because I want them to do things that um, to put them in you know that might put them in uncomfortable situations and. I, you know, I, I, I never looked at it like he was being a jerk, you know, or, or, or being a D.I.C.K. I, I always looked at it like this guy is on a mission to not only be the best basketball player, but to, to win championships. And I will I will follow that kind of player at the end of the day, even if it might have rubbed me wrong at the moment. Uh, I'm always going to follow somebody like that. And I think that's what Durant needs to realize that you don't have to be someone's best friend and buddy every moment that you're on the floor in the locker room or in a film session with somebody but they're still going to respect you because you're going to lead them to a place that's going to make them successful uh and that's good for everybody and that's what jordan did that's what kobe bryant did i'm sure there was dudes on his squad as well (laughs) you might ever play with them uh that probably felt uncomfortable around him at times you know lebron james he was he was kind of i want to say meek but he was quiet when i played with him when he was you know first in the nba at 20 years old and he's developed into a more now he maybe does two does too much with social media but he's not afraid to point maybe to the point where he points out both coaches and players but he 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 just says he has decided that my legacy will be built upon how many championships that i have regardless of maybe having a couple teammates that might be upset with me for uh a portion of the season that's that's powerful um speaking of powerful I'm going to ask you a very emotional question so people understand what they're about to get into. The book is called Through the Fire. I have read it. It's written by Scott Williams. Yes, there's the story of winning three championship rings, but you'll really understand the meat of the story when I ask this very emotional and hard-hitting question that very few people could handle and I know Scott can handle, and that is this. Scott, what's it like? 
to find out that your father's a monster? You know, Doug, um, I had a very tough childhood and I always suspected um, that he was capable of some very horrible things, monstrous things. But to take my mother's life uh, from her and from me and my brother, um, it was a tough thing to have to deal with. And uh, that's an understatement. It was a horrendous thing to have to deal with. And I always was afraid that people would associate his act of, you know, ho- ho- monstrous horror and associate me with that. Mm. And that was the toughest part for me to get over. That's why I didn't want to tell my story for a long time and share it with people. Um, that just trauma of dealing with those emotions. And I wrote this book because there's a lot of young people out there that may not have had exactly what has happened to me, but through social media and online bullying and everything else now, they they find themselves in very difficult situations in their life where they may have thoughts of suicide. And I certainly never tried it, but I definitely remember sitting in my dorm room in North Carolina in the days and weeks and months that followed in a very dark place in my life. And during the pandemic, when I started this project, five people took their lives on the campus of the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, I said at, at that point when I, when I wrote, was writing the book, and there was times when I thought, well, I'll just give it to my kids one day because it's been something I've had a hard time talking with my own children about. Um, I decided let's publish because if I can reach one person, maybe two people that are having the same sort of dark thoughts and emotions that I was experiencing and let them see that health. Scott Williams, who, you know, averaged five points of five boards uh, in the NBA, can still go out there and accomplish his goal of getting a college degree and playing in the NBA then I could turn my life around to something that's very been very tragic and uh, uh, you know hurtful in their lives. So, you know, that's that's the that's what I take away from my mother, Rita. She was not a big person. Uh, I, I I hope that I honor her by by writing this book and, and trying to give back to somebody coming up behind me. Mm, well, I just hear you. The book was an inspiration to me, but it just made me think of something listening to you talk. And this is kind of strange. You and and Steve Kerr both lost a parent, but through dramatically different ways, although sadly both being murdered with your mother being murdered and then and then Steve Kerr losing his father to an assassination. And yet I bring him up for this reason. You and Steve are two of the nicest human beings I've ever met in basketball. Just genuinely jovial people who bring bring greatness to life. I can't help but smile around you or Steve. And not that you can speak for Steve, but I, I have to ask how have you been able to become the person that you are despite tragedy and be a fun loving guy you know it's funny as you you should bring up steve steve and i were teammates in chicago the year jordan had retired and we never talked about our our shared uh tragedies Mm. but he was a great guy to be around and when he was the general manager here uh for the phoenix suns um he co-signed on me getting the job as the TV analyst. And we used to play a lot of uh, horse. 
uh, on the road. I, just I didn't know the road dog, okay. and we would play a lot of horse together. And I could never beat that sucker. He had a great <laughs> shot. Uh, I couldn't dunk it. He couldn't shoot threes. But boy, he, he two point me to death. Um, and I, I I don't know how he how he's gone on. But for me, I was very fortunate um, by two things. One my mother the way she raised me in a house of 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 a lot of domestic violence um she always she always was there and very supportive and strong in nature uh and at the university of north carolina i played for coach dean smith and he's actually the one that delivered the news to me in my dormitory uh, that um you know, my, my dad did what he did and took his own life, that uh, he was very supportive for me in a way that he wouldn't let me give up on basketball, give up on getting an education when I when I wanted to quit basketball. Mm. Um, he said no. He wanted me close by uh, him and his team. He had promised my mother when I went away 3,000 miles from California to North Carolina that he was going to look out for me. And um, I don't know what he thought he, he knew what he was getting into, but uh, he, he was true to his word and he and he did. And not only me, he made all of the the uh, young men um, that he coached uh, better people after we left the university. So something that uh, would have derailed uh, a lot of people in has in the past. Uh, I was determined not to let it change the person that I was, that the person that my mother wanted me to be. Mm. I am. I'm sure Amazon and everywhere else that people buy books is where they can get the book through the fire. Right. Yeah, it's available in uh, paperback, uh, uh, hard, uh, hardcover and Kindle on uh, at Amazon dot com. Just put in Scott Williams book. That's the easiest way to remember it if you can't remember through the fire Mm -hmm. and uh, also available in uh, paperback at uh, Barnes and Nobles dot com as well. You uh, you deserve all the good things that have happened to you since and your career. Congratulations on just simply what's happened. And I just say thanks for being you because uh, you, you've always put a smile on my face. Great to talk to you and go Lopes. Good luck the rest of the way, Scott. Thanks for having me on, Doug. It's something that you said when you introduced me. Uh, yes, we are friends. So I want I want to make sure that yeah, you always can bring me in as as your friend. We be friends for the for the till the day I die, man. You good people. Oh, well, that's the well. Thank you. Thanks and for having me. Thanks don't for say that too strongly because I'm going to the uh, Maui Invitational in November and UNC is going. So now I'm mooching. I'm telling you that right now. Getting UNC tickets from you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make. I could call it a Hubert Davis. Hubert and I were teammates for two years there. He owes me one. There you go. Oh, I'm glad to cash it in. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. Love you, Scotty. See you. Love you too, brother. Bye. Man, great dude. Great dude. That's Scott Williams joining us. Coming up next, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I want to do Town Hall Tuesday. I want to do um, uh, a little bit of KD, and I'd love to talk a little more on Mizzou and U of A. I don't think I'm going to succeed, but I'm going to try to anyway. All of that's coming up next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. 
What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. enjoyed my 31 minute conversation that was designed to be 20 minutes with scott williams but boy i enjoyed every second of it and i hope that you did too but it put us a little behind let's get to it we had to cut off town hall tuesday a little early doug at dougfronsunplugged.com to email at unplugged doug to post something on x to me or tweet me or just post something on instagram at doug Franz unplugged and you can join in on town hall tuesday We left off with responses to my tweet that NBA athletes are hypocritical if they want to praise the mama mentality, if they want to pretend to be competitive like Jordan, and then put forth that all-star game effort. It's one or the other. A lot of responses to that tweet. Izzy, keep going. It says, bingo. Oh, Kobe, my idol, mama mentality. They are full of it. Every paying customer should boycott the All-Star Game weekend. An empty building will send a message. Players League, nah, consumer's product. This is from Kevin C. Bryant, too. Here's the thing, Kevin. I agree. I think you're 100% right. And yet, at the same time, as long as it's not in Phoenix. If the All-Star Game's in Phoenix, hey, let's go. Let's support the local economy, blah, 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 blah. But boycott somebody else's? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody go to San Francisco because of what Charles Barkley said. (laughs) Uh, What's next? Uh, they don't want to get hurt. This is coming from uh, Michelle Aaron. You know, Michelle, I'm not, first of all, logically, I think that that's 95% of it. They don't want to get hurt, so they don't play hard. However, why are they playing regular season games then? Are they, are they not afraid to get hurt then? And then there's the cheesy load management. I, are, are they worried to get hurt when they get in a car? I, Come on, it's an all-star game. You can play hard, and you don't have to be swinging elbows at the same time. There's different ways to play. Now, if somebody lands on a foot, they land on a foot. There's a way to play hard and not play in such a way that accidental injuries happen. What's next? I am a huge basketball fan. I think all the load management stuff is crazy. With that said, I enjoy watching the All-Star game. I enjoyed seeing the players out there having a good time with each other. I thought it was entertaining. The All-Star game doesn't have to be serious. Mm. This is from Will Carter now. Will, uh, I admit, I enjoy the screwing around for about a quarter. I kind of like the crazy alley-oops to see the pure athleticism. I like it for a little bit. But it gets so old so fast that I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. And I don't understand why it's hard for them to flip the switch. They don't want to, but I I do disagree with you. I want the All-Star game to end seriously. That's a difference. It doesn't have to start seriously, but I do want it to end serious. What's next? Agreed. There's competition, exhibition, and then there's the NBA All-Star Game. <laughs> I would rather watch a layup drill than the NBA All-Star Game. This is from Lyle Engel. Okay, Lyle, Lyle you're probably going a little too far. I mean, uh, how far are you going? How long are you going to watch the layup line until you're until uh, you're sick of it? Um, but I do agree. The NBA All-Star Game is actually below NBA preseason games when it comes to intensity. What's next? 
Uh, thanks for doing the show today, fellas. Not many did. Mm. Much appreciated at Farmer Braxton. Uh, this was cool of him. This was a tweet from Farmer Braxton that included Izzy, included Steve McCollum and me of saluting us for doing a President's Day show when hardly anybody else was doing that. And I know local sports talk radio took the day off. And I'm glad that really I really appreciate that you noticing that. And I saw that both Steve and Izzy commented on your tweet as well. So Farmer Braxton, that was really cool of you to reach out. What's next? They are about the money. They aren't hungry. This is from uh, Isaac the Herm. Oh, you know, okay, you're you're right, Isaac. I don't want to deny that, but I don't want to make the money out to be this. Listen, I'm about the money too. Okay, I mean, if if somebody comes waltzing in and says, "Doug, I've been thinking about hiring you for three hundred dollars," yeah. Hi. Okay. Where's the pen? Okay. So I'm about the money too. So I don't want to just blast people that are about the money. I look at it, however, is that that's one of your signature events and the money dries up if you don't start playing hard. Number two, I'm not faulting them for not playing hard. I'm faulting them for the hypocrisy of screaming they support Kobe, they support we I'm a mama mentality when Kobe wouldn't put up with that. Michael would not put up with that as an all-star game. Dr. J. Larry Bird Magic Johnson would not put so don't it to me it's the hypocrisy. Not that they don't try hard. It's the saying Kobe's my idol and not trying hard. Uh what's next? Why can't they make the game count for playoffs? This is Ooh. at Grant Lyon 31. Grant, I love the sentiment of your idea, but really think about that. How? Like, who benefits? Like, is the is the guy with the most blocked shots get a five-point lead in a playoff game? I mean, how do you translate, play better defense, get an advantage in the postseason? I mean, there's really no way to do it. Baseball tried in the All-Star game to say whoever wins the All-Star game, that league gets home field advantage in the baseball playoffs. I was the only person in the world that I think I wasn't really against that. I was against the hypocrisy of it, of, okay, if we're going to make it matter, then name a real-life 26-person squad, don't have fans pick the teams, and guys who play, you play nine innings. You're the starting short shortstop you've earned it the other guy can be the backup okay but we're actually going to play a real baseball game to me it was one or the other either it's an exhibition and it doesn't count or if it does count then actually play a game to win and that's not what baseball was doing so i i'm not really saying you're crazy but how would you really implement that okay let's uh, we got time for one more yes and talk more diamondbacks this is from rick jay Rick, yeah, I kind of like the small beatdown. Just say, boom, they're in my face. Talk more D-backs. Uh, you're right. You're right. I did. Quick question. Yeah. Did you see Anthony Edwards' comments about the All-Star game? Yeah, that he said um, uh, that it's always going to be an exhibition. He just can't bring himself to, to, to get fired up and play hard for Yeah, it's a break. So yeah. it's just like, why? And that makes sense, right? But... Oh, then turn it down. I like I would Ooh, rather yeah. say fine. Then I'm not coming because I'm not going to be taking it seriously. It's a great point by you. I have to admit though, I missed on Anthony Edwards. I saw Anthony Edwards play live four times his freshman year in Georgia. Three times in Maui, he was at the Maui Invitational that I went to, and one time Georgia played ASU that year. So I watched him live four times, and here's what I thought: one of the best college players I've ever seen, and lazy and won't try hard in the NBA. <laughs> 
I totally missed on his basketball character. He actually does try hard, but if there's a guy that can shut it down, it's Anthony Edwards, yeah. and he can shut it down. But I, I have to admit, I always like to tell you when I'm right about a, a draft pick. I was wrong about that guy, not on his talent, but I didn't like him as a number one pick because I didn't think he'd bring it every game, and, and he does. He does, and, and I, I deserve to eat crow on that one. Coming up at uh, 8 o'clock this morning is the main event. Steve McCollum joins us every weekday morning to get re- as he's in the middle of his own prep, getting ready for uh, uh, his show. Steve, do you have any anything you would do if you could to make the All-Star game better? Is there anything you can think of that would entice guys to actually try? Stop playing it. Okay. <laughs> it automatically gets better if you stop playing Has it, it jumped the shark? Is there any – because the easy way to save it is to bring back Abdul-Jabbar and Bird and everybody else. Yeah, bring, but back, I, bring back that mentality. All they care about is uh, their money, not getting hurt, and you can see that because they want to sit out all the time. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a mentality of this NBA age, and you're not going to change that with money. You're not going to change it with anything else. Uh, it's just going to come down to them having some pride, and uh, they, don't, they don't have it. The only suggestion I would give – is basically ripping yours off. But here's here's the only thing I can think of. It's not Ta- just mine. A lot of people are saying yeah, that. But. Take exactly what Izzy just said about Anthony Edwards saying it's a break, it's an mm-hmm. exhibition, it doesn't matter, and saying, okay, and now you have to collect, collectively bargain everything. Give the players a choice, and yes, I'm even willing to lock you out for this. Either mm-hmm. we see effort at the All-Star game, or there's no break. Like, like, if we're going to get yeah. rid of the all-star game, that also includes we're getting rid of the all-star break. There is no break in the middle. You're playing yeah. 82 games straight through. You don't get a week off. You've made that decision by not playing hard. Now, obviously, now we get into the debate of who's playing hard, you know, and, and yeah. what, what does real effort look all, like? All that's going to do is translate it to time off during the regular season again. Yep. Uh, they, look, the players just want time off. They don't care about their fans. They just want their time off. They want to collect their money. Not all of them, but a majority of them. And that's all they care about. And the only way to change that is the mentality with the players. And the players don't care about you, folks. So we'll get used to it. I couldn't tell if Carl Anthony Towns cared because he kept running the floor to dunk, but he played the same defense he normally does. So you can't really say he didn't care. But at the same time, how do you tell? I thought Scotty Barnes and and, uh, Halliburton a little bit, but but, uh, Tyrese Maxey and and Barnes. Like, Scotty Barnes looked like a sore thumb. He was hustling all over the place. Okay, so in the game, but we were making fun of him yesterday because in the skills composition, he's dribbling exactly balls right. off his knees, <laughs> and then on the whatever the shot thing they were doing, he turns around and launches one backwards yeah. that, that almost kills people ten rows in the back, you know, <laughs> sitting off to the side. Uh, he didn't take it seriously. They don't I take it of... seriously. Get rid of it. Money's not going to motivate these guys. Uh, it's going to have to be job status and playoff. Quite frankly, playoff implications is the only thing. If you don't take it seriously, then you get knocked down in the playoffs. But nobody's going to agree to that. It's uh, funny NFL. you bring up Scotty's performance in the all-star saturday i had a feeling somebody ripped him that was close to him i mean like mom dad brother they said don't you don't care so why yeah like because to to go that dramatically of a a difference from his goofy antics during all-star saturday to just running like crazy in the all-star game was hilarious to me well what you do is right if you want to look like you care you just you put on you put in half the effort that is better than everybody else you're putting in did stick out and you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb right yeah that's all it took where are you 
on the famous taxpayer stadium debate. I don't, what would you do with Chase Field? I, I don't care uh, if taxpayers want to pay for stadiums. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it benefits the community, mm-hmm. whether you're a fan or you're not. Now, I don't like the uh, they're billionaires that can fund themselves mentality because even billionaires, you know, stadiums are pretty dang expensive. Yeah. Uh, and it benefits the, you know, every other company gets tax breaks to move their company here and, and do stuff here. So sports teams should be in that same vantage point. However, uh, I am just sick and tired of Kendrick and Hall act. Now it's a bargaining chip. Uh, I get what they're doing, mm-hmm. but I am sick and tired of them. If you have $400 million to put into the stadium, I don't want to hear you, Kendrick, say, oh, we don't have enough payroll. We're a small market. Mm-hmm. Shut up, you old fart. You are ridiculous. You are dumb. You are stupid. Sorry, Doug, you're going to get your credential. That's why they don't <laughs> let me into the stadium. You're going to get your credential canceled. It is a joke that you even bring this stuff up, and you are a just a old man that just needs to get rid of it. You can afford it. You choose not to. I'm tired of hearing about it. Shut up. <laughs> Fix your roof. Quit complaining about everything and complaining, oh, I don't have any money. Oh, the stadium. Ah. And now they're trying to do it on the backs of, they're like U of A football. They're giving you a huge price increase because they had one good season uh, in a long time. And now the Diamondbacks are like, oh, oh, now we need a stadium. They're trying to leverage it. I'm just tired of it. It's annoying. Hey, I asked the question, so, you know, now, I, I would disagree with the dumb and stupid part. No, he's, he's ridiculous. I How dumb does he rid- think we are? <laughs> I'm going to put $400 million into this, and taxpayers have to help out. And I would agree, taxpayers do have to help out. But then don't sit there and go, we can't add payroll because we don't have any money. Yeah. I, That's dumb and stupid. There's no other way to put What else is it? It's dumb and stupid to, to think we're all dumb and stupid. <laughs> I, I, I just not. I'm not saying him. I'm right. saying what he's saying. It, Here's it's the just important part where I do really disagree when Kendrick ties it back and forth, yes. and that is this: Matt Ishbia doesn't wait for ticket sales. Yes. Now, Ken Kendrick has ever like if he tells fans. I promise you I'm putting in every ounce of profit right back into payroll. Okay, that does put it on fans. And let's let's face it, you have the right to run your business that way. Yeah. But don't act like you can't afford it. You're yeah. choosing that winning is as important as profit yeah, he, versus the sons who choose winning is more important yeah. than profit. He, he legitimately says... Uh, we are well. We're increasing our payroll this year because we went to the World Series. We got additional revenue, mm-hmm. which is tying the two together. Yes, but then you have four hundred million just laying around to upgrade the stadium, and you're not even doing that properly. They put in LED lighting. They put in a new sound. The two cheapest things you can do, by the way, to upgrade a stadium. They didn't fix the roof because that's expensive. Uh, and I have four hundred million just sitting here waiting to go. I'm just waiting for taxpayers to help me out. But that is something that's in. always annoyed me. I really defend them in fighting against the county to take control of the building. Okay, you got yes. control. And you said you had to do all these improvements that you needed control. I support you completely. But then you don't fix the roof. Yes. I was like, okay, now which one is it? Yeah, that- and then they go so far as to say, you know, uh, I had a whole phrase it yesterday. He said, um, we've learned to live with it and work with the way it is now, which tells you they're not going to fix it. Yeah. It's like I have a double sink in my bathroom and one of the sinks started leaking. So I just turned the water off to it. But because I have another sink in there, I don't need the second one. So I've never fixed it. It's been like six years. That's all they're doing. <laughs> Good job timing out that story. Stephen Cullum coming up. Dale Hellestray joining him. It starts at 8 o'clock right here on WTSMTV.com. Part of our five hours of 
all the time. Sports every weekday morning, live straight from 6 to 10 in the morning with Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, then the main event. And then, of course, you've got Izzy. iOS Izzy on Sports is coming up today at 1 o'clock. Versus Vegas today, boy, was the schneid getting long. Glad to end it in favor of both the crappy Coyotes and the NHL with a terrible schedule decision. Three games, four days, flying from Colorado to home on a back-to-back and playing Connor McDavid. That's that's an NHL schedule that's kind of ridiculous. It was a pretty easy game. They they did scare me a little bit and make it tough being three to two going into the third period. Three to two in the third, and then the Oilers explode. Yesterday we had Edmonton covering the puck line, and we had positive juice on that. And then we had the uh, Coyotes and Edmonton both going over the six and a half. So it's three to two going into the third. You get one goal already to make it okay. And I'm just under the six and a half. Then you get that goal right there to be able to say, okay, now we've got one of our uh, targets, the over six and a half. Now you need more goals from Edmonton. And Edmonton then says, okay, here's two more. One legitimate and then one at the end of an empty netter. And the Coyotes lose six to three. But all of us who went for blood money yesterday we end up winning by getting both games right or both picks right on a t- I did not two game parlay it however which is kind of dumb if you're I mean those two things make sense you're either going to get them both wrong or both right I should have parlayed it if I was good at this I would have parlayed it yesterday so we'll go 2 and 0 yesterday improving the record to uh what is it now? 1,110. So 1110 and 975 at nine is uh, nine complete draws uh, is the overall record. Still above the magic 53%. So feel good about that. This is going to shock you. I got four games tonight that I really like. All four in the NHL. I shouldn't say really like. One of them I'm sticking my neck out a little bit. Probably a little bit too far. Uh, Ottawa is on the back end of a back-to-back coming up tonight. And Ottawa's not good, and they're flying down from Tampa. Not a long flight, but still to take on a good Panthers team. So I like the Panthers being able to cover the puck line. So I'll take Florida minus one and a half over Ottawa. I got the Rangers on the money line against Dallas. Dallas flew down from Boston last night. I love it when you've got to travel. Rangers had rest. It's what? 30-minute flight from Boston to New York, so it's not like it's crazy. But it's still Manhattan traffic getting from the airport. You get in late, and you're taking on a team that's, uh, that's a, in my opinion, a little better than you, but Dallas is good. So I like the Rangers on the money line. I'm not taking the puck line. You got a lot better juice if you take the Rangers to cover. I want to give Dallas a little bit of credit, so I am accepting negative juice and taking the Rangers. I got Colorado minus one and a half covering the puck line against Vancouver. Vancouver was in Minnesota to play the Wild the night before in one of the craziest games in NHL history last night. Now they fly in. You drive an hour to downtown uh, Denver. Then you get up and you got to play a good avalanche team. I really like... um, 
Colorado to be able to handle that. There's massive amounts of negative juice, however, if you take the money line. I think it's like minus 180. So I'll go for the puck line, which is about minus 110, I think. So I'll take Colorado covering the puck line against Vancouver. And the last one is one where I'm sticking my neck out a little bit, and you might want to ignore this one. I'm going to take Nashville on the money line. Vegas was in San Jose last night, and then Vegas flew home. The Blue Jackets are a better team than Nashville, but Nashville is really well-rested. Maybe it's not good to be well-rested and be in Vegas. Maybe I should rethink that. But if Nashville is focused, I like Nashville winning. Now, here's the catch. If you take Nashville, they're not favored. If you take Nashville, you can have a goal and a half. So plus one and a half with Nashville, but the juice is minus 200 something. That means you've got to bet $200 just to win 100. So I'm going for extra credit. I want the positive uh, plus 140. So I'm going to take Nashville on the money line to kind of a mini upset against Vegas. And I'm assuming that because they flew in from San Jose, which let's face it, the flight from San Jose to Vegas, 45 minutes, maybe. Maybe an hour tops to get from Northern California to Vegas. Not a tough flight. I realize that. But I still like Nashville's rest and to be able to take on Vegas. But that's one where there's a little bit of a stretch. I I totally get it if you want to skip that one. But I really like the other three as uh, four hockey games. Truth be told, I do really well when I do one or two games. I do really crappy when I do a bunch. So I can I can understand you looking at those four games and choosing one on your own and not touching all four of them because I've been known to go one and three when I choose too many games. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thanks a lot for being a part of it. Coming up tomorrow, a lot of heavy diamondbacks as I plan on trying to bust out of here really quickly today and getting over to spring training. So hopefully I've got some good spring training stories for you about uh, about tomorrow. And then, oh, you know, one story I forgot to tell you today. I, we have a big uh, house party coming up this weekend. It's called the Euchre Tournament. So we have a bunch of people come over. They play Euchre. So I went to Costco to get a bunch of cheap alcohol. So I got two cases of Kilt Lifter. I got a case of Dos Equis. I got two margaritas and some cheap red wine. Some guy walks by me at the Costco and he goes, Hey! Where's the party? All excited, looking at my cart. And I, I didn't tell him. I just said, it's Monday. I went through my alcohol this weekend. <laughs> the guy didn't know didn't know what to say because it was I was acting like, yeah, this is just Monday. We always buy this much alcohol on Monday. I think he actually believed me, which kind of scares you about the guy I was talking to. Thanks a lot to the sponsors that make this go. Go to unplugged.whirlwind.com to join us coming up on Friday, in which uh, we'll have Dale Hellestray playing, as well as Steve's going to be there playing. We've got a bunch of different members of the Unplugged Army. Angel and Mark, the owners of Burrito Express, are going to be there. So we'd love to see you on Friday, and then head over to Trophy in Chandler to join us for happy hour, or just go straight there if you're not going to be able to play golf. I totally understand. Thanks to Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical and Bell's Nashville Kitchen as well. The longest running sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Have a great Tuesday. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.